Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us all here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is July 8th, 2021. We continue our catechesis in the Book of Romans a little bit, a little bit of conversation there, but mostly uh, in the Book of Acts. So we're in Acts 17, the famous scene of Paul preaching. at the Areopagus in Athens, which is pretty cool. Uh, good to have you checking in in the chat. I see uh, Karen, uh, Don and Karen will check in later, Gus and Eileen and Grace. All right. And those of you who watch later in the day, welcome as well. Feel free to always go back and uh, post comments or questions in, on the, uh, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or on Twitch or wherever you're watching and or listening, or you can email them to me. Uh, and I'll respond to them uh, either in the chat or uh, maybe in the next broadcast, okay? So feel free, even if you're not able to watch live, uh, to interact with with the text in your own way. All right. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse together. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. Now we confess our psalm, we pray our psalm, Psalm 119, now Kaf and Lamed, which is uh, beginning at verse 81. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will not forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
First reading is a continuation from Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mo- what is excuse me what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he predestined, those he also called, whom he called, those he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want to make a note about just one word in there, and that's intercession, right? And this is to stand uh, between uh, two parties and make a plea. Right, so you have uh, lawyers who intercede on behalf of their clients before um, a jury or a judge, right? Um, but here it's um, God the Father, of course, and then Jesus, by way of His Spirit, intercedes for us. Meaning He takes our prayers because we have the Spirit, we have Christ's Spirit, we have Christ dwelling in us, and thus He knows what are our needs. Uh, he knows the uh, wants and desires, but He also knows the pleas of our heart, and He offers them up to the Father, even. Uh, without our asking, which is which is beautiful. It means that uh, Jesus is always um, looking out for us and acting um, on behalf of us, and of course, moving heaven and earth um, to support us. We do have intercession being done by uh, others in the scriptures. We have Moses interceding on behalf of the people, uh, being a kind of a Christ type, right? Standing between God and man. God um, wants to destroy the earth, or excuse me, destroy these people and start over with Moses, and Moses intercedes. He stands between, and he uh, pleads for them. And uh, I think this is something that we've lost as a a church as well. It's something that hmm, we don't often do. Uh, When we pray for others, it's usually uh, in times of need, which is a sort of intercession, Um, but it's also in times of of, uh, want, but also um, in thanksgiving. or just simply just to remember them. But I think we need to think more broadly about who might we intercede for? Um, Who needs our prayers and they haven't even asked for them? Um, One of the things that we could intercede for, that we could offer intercession for, and I encourage you to think about doing this, um, are those who are absent from, say, the divine service on Sunday morning. So look about and ask, um, who, who are my friends? Who are my who are my acquaintances? Um, who are my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't present here with me today? Um, and I'm going to intercede for them. I'm going to ask God um, that he work in them to restore them to the divine service, whether they're absent um, due to illness, um, due to fatigue, um, due to fear of COVID, or maybe just out of um, complacency or laziness. Okay, And to offer that um, to God. And a great place to make intercession for others is to do that um, before you receive the Lord's Supper. So as you kneel before the altar um, to re- receive Christ's body and blood for your forgiveness, plead for it, for the forgiveness of those around you, or not around you as the case may be. Right? 
uh, and I'm going to, I added this to the bulletin this week, um, is a spot for intercession, right? Um, and maybe I'll give you some prompts. I have to think about how to do this. Give you some prompts of things that you might intercede for, that you might pray on behalf, who you might pray on behalf of, right? And we do this quite well um, in the prayer of the church each Sunday, right? Where we pray um, not only for the church of God, but for all people according to their needs, as we say. All right. Now our reading for catechesis is from Acts chapter 17. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews um, and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers uh, encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face, on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord, in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And also some of your own poets have said, for we all are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, something shaped by art, or excuse me, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed, and among them Dionysius the Areopagite, a woman called, named Damaris, and others with them. All right, so there ends the reading. Uh, looks like I have a sketchy connection today. So, so it is. It happens on some days, right? Been generally pretty good. 
this summer, but not today. Not sure what's going on there. Okay. Well then, uh, let's do some catechesis anyway, even though you probably aren't seeing me too well. Uh, What provoked Paul in Athens? What does it say there? What provoked him? His spirit was provoked when he saw that the city was given over to idols. And so what did he do daily? He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile converts um, and also with those who were in the marketplace. All right, so I don't know how much time he dedicated to each, but so it is. Uh, Who in particular, whom did Paul encounter? Now, it says there are some Epicurean, certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. All right. So we got to talk about who these, who these folks are um, in classical uh, Greek philosophy, right? So uh, do you know what Epicureans believe? These are obviously non-Judeo-Christian um, sort of Abrahamic phase, as they say today. Not monotheistic, of course. All right, Epicureans held that sense perception was only the only basis for knowledge. So you can only know what you could touch, taste, uh, and feel. Everything came into being out of atoms and the void. All right, not from a divine maker. Because the world came into being from a random act, man had free will since no God had created or ruled over human beings. Today we eat and drink, tomorrow we die, um, right? So that's Epicurean. They argued against fear of death or the gods. They sought a peaceful life with the body free from pain and the mind peaceful and undisturbed. This led to the idea of choosing a private life amidst one's friends. All right, so that's Epicurean. So it's not necessarily hedonism. That's, that's when you um, just do whatever, whatever you want um, because you're just going to die tomorrow. But it is one that you can live that you would live free uh, from any kind of external uh, influence, that you would live according, well, to your own internal uh, moral compass, I suppose, Uh, whatever makes you feel happy, right? And free from pain. Um, Now, Stoics are different, all right? So these are competing schools, and I think probably they're trying to get Paul uh, to choose one or the other to take sides here, right? So Stoics um, are quite different. They're not uh, do what makes you Peaceful, right? Happy, if you like. Stoics had a strong emphasis on morals. Sometimes Paul was called a uh, dumb Stoic uh, by the Stoics, (laughs) so that was an insult. All right, so Stoics believe that the entire universe was a living creature animated by the divine logos, right? So think of um, logic, right? Divine logic. So logic is the God. Um, And that would be reason, we might say, or the mind, right? Uh, and this is why St. John in, in John chapter 1 of his gospel uh, refers to Jesus as, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the logos um, uh, was made flesh, right? So the divine logic or reason or mind, the mind of God is known in Jesus Christ. That's what John does. But anyway, um, they viewed all mankind as slaves, a kind of slave to the ruling logos, right? So the God of reason. Everything that happens to people then was determined. So it's deterministic. So the only way to control their life was by controlling the passions governing the external events affecting them, right? So they have a strong, again, moral 
emphasis on morality, doing, doing the right thing, because that's how you end up with the right outcome in their view. There's some truth to that, of course. Um, but there's no resurrection. There's no life after death, right? Um, so one of their famous uh, maxims is memento mori in Latin, right? Um, remember um, that you die, right? And then make the most of the day, like carpe diem, uh, while it is still day. And so there are some similar teachings in the scriptures, of course. There's also forgiveness, the resurrection of the body, uh, which they did not teach. All right, so we have these two. Epicureans being kind of uh, more free or liberal, um, and Stoics being more conservative, I suppose, uh, more restrictive. All right, what did they think of Paul? <laughs> what does this babbler say? Yeah, they, they considered him a babbler, and we find out why later on, right, right here, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection, right? Two things that they denied. Where did they bring Paul to find out about his doctrine? All right, they have him come to the Areopagus, the Areopagus. All right. And um, what is the Areopagus? Well, Ares, right? that's a, a Greek god, a god of thunder and war. And so this Areopagus, that's the, the hill of Ares is what it means. Um, it's a low hill in Athens, northwest of the Acropolis. So you would see the Acropolis in the background. Um, and it's south of the Agora. Um, the Agora being, that's the the place, um, well, that's that means fields, if I remember right, right? So, And then there was an area there at the Areopagus with stone seats for the council to meet, right? So it's a perfect place for this. Just like you saw in the picture here at the beginning, right? So they're sitting on there seats and Paul is lecturing to them. This is, of course, the opposite of what you would see in, um, in Jewish culture, where um, those who are listening would be standing and those um, who would be speaking would be sitting. All right, so quite, quite a different perspective there. Um, what is revealed about those who gathered there? Well, it says here that the Athenians uh, and the foreigners would spend their time there um, in nothing else but to tell or to hear the new things, right? So this is the place for the news, if you like, new, right? What does uh, Paul tell them? I perceive that you are very religious. Yeah, right? And so that just means uh, that you do things <laughs> for the sake of uh, what you believe, all right? That's what religion is. It's what we do because of what we believe. I'm going to see if I can't improve our internet a little bit. I'm not confident I can do that. It depends on somebody's watching videos or something. It's really hard to know what's going on. We've got more people on campus today, so we've been blessed. Uh, it's been kind of quiet here. Let's see if I do this. And I do this. And then I do, one more thing. Where is it? Not secure. Oh, there it is. There. I'll do that. All right. I don't know if that's going to make any difference, but it was worth a try. All right. So I perceive that you're very religious. And what is inscribed on one of their altars? There it is. To the unknown God. All right. So it's kind of like the unknown soldier, right? The tomb. 
What does Paul tell them about that God? Right? They don't know who it is, but Paul says, I'm going to preach to you about the God whom you do not know. Right? That missing, if you like that missing piece. All right, so what does he say about him? He's the one who made the one who made everything um, in it and, and the world, right? And he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, what's interesting is this statement right here at the end of verse 24. Right? That he does not dwell in temples made uh, with hands. All right. Uh, that's key, of course, because where is he? He's surrounded by pagan temples, including that temple to the unknown God or the altar to the unknown God. Um, how is the Lord not worshipped then? Yeah, not with men's hands, as though he needed anything, right? So we don't serve God, he serves us, which is kind of upside down compared to all the pagan gods, right? Is that you have to please them by your actions and deeds in order to uh, receive the, the rewards. So why does he not need uh, worship from us? Right, and here we have him as the giver God, right? He gives to all life, breath, and all things. Everything comes from him anyway, right? So our worship is that of thanksgiving and praise, not of giving, since he gives to us all things. Uh, How about the nations? Paul has something to say about that here in verse 26. Yeah, that God made every nation of men from one blood and has determined the times and boundaries uh, of their dwellings, right? Uh, Which is something maybe we need to remember today, that despite all the chaos and disorder that we see around us, uh, and maybe maybe the um, disillusionment of, <laughs> of our country, or at least the dissolving of the rule of law um, and of civil discourse, etc., um, that God has pre-appointed and set the boundaries to them. Right? That doesn't mean that we shouldn't intercede on behalf of our country and on behalf of those um, who uh, rule over us, um, but knowing that God uh, has all things in his hands. Speaking of uh, praying intercession, I saw in the chat, and I, it's a good time to bring this in. Uh, it's good to ask, how can I pray for you? I'm always surprised by the willingness to share. I, and I think that's true, is that we often forget what people actually uh, would like us to intercede or how they would like us to intercede because we don't ask. Right, sometimes you have to ask. Um, and that, that also, I mean, that, that's vulnerability for people. It might be hard for them, um, but it also creates kind of an intimacy, a friendship, right? Okay. Um, why has, so back to this question, why has God set up the pre-appointed times and boundaries um, of the dwellings of all the nations of the earth? Right, so he made us into nations, right? There's no point in us trying to be globalists. Um, that's not how God made us. He, he put us into um, stations, vocations. He placed us into communities, into tribes, and into nations. Right, and anytime we try to destroy that, we're going against what God has ordained or set up. But he does this so that, verse 27, they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grope for him and find him, right? Though he is not that far from each of us, right? He's not that far from us. We think he is because we're, we're in the dark, huh? Right? And what happens when you're trying to walk in the dark, especially before your eyes have adjusted? Yeah, you're groping. You're kind of stumbling about, right? Even though God is there. 
Um, how do we know that God is not far off? This God that he's speaking of. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is one of my favorite expressions from Paul, that we live and move and have our being in God, not in ourselves, but in God. All right. Just as some of the poets had said, apart from God as creator, this God, there is no life. Right? So this unknown God is the one who gives and creates and he's the God of gods and Lord of lords, if you want to use the expression from the creed. Uh, what should we learn from this fact that we are his offspring? He quotes the poet. I don't know which poet this is. I don't think anybody knows. All right, but what do we learn from that? Well, what he says in verse 29, right? Um, that our being offspring, that means we, we participate or we have the divine nature and his divine nature, it's not shaped by us, right? It's not like the gods of this earth. It's not a ref- our. Well, here's what happens with idols. Idols are a reflection of, of what we see, touch, taste, feel, right? So we look at something and we can't explain it and so we create a god um, to explain what we don't understand, right? Um, and there's always gods. We're always worshiping gods. Those gods sometimes take the form of devices that we keep with us all the time, right? That we worship, we give our attention um, because we b- believe that they somehow are going to answer uh, or fulfill some need or desire that we have, all right? Um, but this God, the true God, is not shaped of gold or silver, or stone or silicon, um, or by our art or devising, right? And no, neither are we then, which is really key. Uh, what has God overlooked? Yeah, all the times when men uh, were I- ignorant of him, all right? So it's not as if God um, just arbitrarily gives to some and not to others, but there is an allowance for ignorance, right? Um, but think about it um, this way in regards to ignorance. Um, like, for example, once you've heard baptism preached, now you're going to ask the question, well, what's to prevent me from being baptized if you're not already? You see? Um, but once you've heard baptism is the gift of God for repentance and for new life and um, to be a child of God, now to reject that is to reject God and reject his word. That's not, you're no longer ignorant, but now you have God's uh, word. Um, now to reject it is an act of unbelief, not just ignorance. Okay, so it's a good distinction to make, maybe. Um, yeah, helpful in times. Uh, what does he now command be preached um, to everyone, to all men, he says here? Repentance, right? Yeah, all men everywhere are to repent. Uh, this sounds familiar, of course. Sounds like Jesus, right? In the days after his resurrection and before his ascension, when he instituted the office of the holy ministry, right? Okay. Uh, why are they to repent? Yeah, because he's going to judge the world in righteousness, right? Jesus is. Um, this is the man whom God has ordained, right? The man, meaning Jesus again. How was it made clear that the man Jesus was the one whom God ordained as judge? Well, that's that last sentence here in verse 31, right? He is the one whom God has ordained to judge the world in righteousness because him, uh, this, this God, has raised from the dead. All right. So, I mean, this is Christian preaching, although um, Paul is kind of adopting some uh, 
either Stoic, well, Greek philosophical categories, uh, right? Trying to address them in the language that they that they use, right? And the New Testament is replete with this. It's all over the place. Um, Greek categories like body, soul, and spirit, for example. Um, that's either Platonic or Arist- Aristotelian, different ways of describing um, reality or our perception of things, or even God himself, right? Using um, Greek philosophical terms. Does that mean um, that's the limit of how we might understand who God is or what he's done or uh, how we understand ourselves? No, of course not. But uh, those are the categories that are used at the time of the writing of the New Testament. So it's the, um, you use the language of the people. Right, and then uh, it gets co-opted uh, and reformed, or reframed, or um, just used for the sake of confession of Christ, uh, forgiveness, life, etc. All right, uh, what happened when Paul spoke uh, of the resurrection of the dead in particular? Yeah, this brought mockery. Um, remember, the Stoics denied the resurrection, um, and so did the Epicureans. Right, so of course they're going to mock. Um, but there are others who wanted to hear more. So not everybody is completely in the Stoic or Epicurean camp here. Um, and we get some of them named, actually, right? Who do we have here? Dionysius. Wow, what a name. Uh, the Areopagite. And also a woman named Damaris, right? And then some others. Uh, what a, you remember who Dionysius was? Well, there was the King Dionysius, right? Uh, but there's also, isn't there the, uh, who's the other, uh, Dionysius the Areopagite. He was the, the god of what? I can't remember now. Nobody remembers. So many people who take the name Dionysius. He's a parallel to Apollo. Uh, I can't remember. Well, somebody will remember and post it in the chat later on. All right. Let's see. Meditation on this text. The God of life is the one who created all living things, sustains all living things, and then raises his own son from the dead to give life to all men. The Epicureans thought of the world as a random event without a creator. Much of the modern evolutionists, uh, much as the modern evolutionists who see the universe, the world, and all life as coming forth from just a chance event. The Stoics are to the Stoics, Paul speaks of the God who maintains our very lives for our well being and who assures us that he will raise us up as he did um, his own son. To modern-day Stoics, who still see little hope for themselves in the face of forces they do not control in this world, there is the wonderful message that Christ is the one greater than Ares. He is the warrior God who has defeated all our enemies, including death itself. What message can the Church give to the world but that of the Creator, who calls all men to repent and believe in His Son for the forgiveness of sins? All right. Uh, I see a quote. Old King James says, God winked. Um, I don't know where that would have been, though. You have to tell me which verse that's in. God winked. Oh, he overlooked? Yeah. Okay. That's probably it. Excellent. 
All right, let's pray the uh, Lord's Prayer, seventh petition, but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray um, today in Thanksgiving with Jason and Chelsea, who celebrate their birthdays, with uh, Walt, who celebrates his baptism. We pray in Thanksgiving for the gift of our nation. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, David, Amanda, John, and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, and Kaylee, our homebound Bev, Roy, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. The mission and mercy work of the church, especially Compassion International, um, and those who are grieving, especially Jim, at the death of his brother Roy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things that surpass all understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Okay. Sorry about the uh, video streaming today. I'm going to talk to our provider, find out what's going on there, because um, it looks to be a bandwidth issue on their end. Uh, same thing happened in church on Sunday, by the way. Uh, about halfway through the service, the quality dropped substantially. So I'll have to check in with them and see what's going on. All right, let's sing the hymn.
Sing high tongue the glorious battle, sing the ending of the fray. Now above the cross the trophy, on the loud triumphant lay. Tell how Christ the world's Redeemer as his father's home. Blaze the path of true obedience, Jonah has light amidst the gloom. Thus with thirty years accomplished, he went forth from Nazareth, destined dead his death. I call out, he humbly yielded, on the cross his dying breath. Faithful cross, true sign of triumph, before all the noblest tree, none in foliage, none None in fruit thine equal be. Symbol of the world's redemption, for the weight that hung on thee. Unto God be praise and glory to the Father and the Son, to the eternal Spirit in honor, now and evermore be done. Praise and glory in the highest, while the timeless ages All right, God willing, you all heard me just fine, even though you couldn't see me all that well. So uh, it's good to be with you today for our Congregation of Prayer. I uh, hope you can join us again tomorrow, hopefully with better internet, at uh, 9 a.m. as we'll continue our catechesis um, through the Book of Acts. All right, so Lord be with you all. We'll see you soon.